Good morning, good morning. All right, is that the first time some of you heard about planking? Really, you know, a lot of these, it's like international, it's all over the world, people are planking everywhere. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy, there's been a lot of controversy about this planking thing, and so I want to set some things straight today, amen? Everybody excited about the word this Right. I usually start with a quote, but I want to quote some scriptures this morning. Is that alright? Good, so I was going to do it anyway. You ready? Genesis 17 1 says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down. Leviticus 9, 24. Then fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and brought portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Face 
sound. Ezra. Ezra wept and he fell prostrate or face down in front of the temple of God and as he prayed and confessed a huge number of men, women, and children of Israel gathered around him. First Kings 18.38 And then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and it lifted up all the water in the trench. And when the people saw this, they fell prostrate, face down, and cried, The Lord, He is good. <laughs> First Chronicles 29.10 And then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. And so they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down low and they fell prostrate, face down before the Lord and the King. Luke 17.15 This is great. <laughs> Then one of them, upon seeing that he was cured, speaking of the ten lepers, turned back, recognizing and thanking and praising God, and with a loud voice, and he, the leper, fell prostrate or face down at Jesus' feet, thanking him over and over. Finally, Revelation 19.4. The word says, and then the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell face down and worshipped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen and Hallelujah. Amen. 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 See, see, because of this phenomenon, this Facebook and, and the news and it's spreading all over the world, people are going back and forth and fighting about where it originated. And, and some are saying, oh, this started with the slave trade. They used to make the slaves bank on, on the floor to lay face down. And, and, and this, listen, the, the truth about it is, when, when I first heard about this, I, I thought it was like, probably you thinking it was ridiculous. Right? I said, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, people are really doing this? And, and I heard it on Facebook, and, and so of course I didn't know what breaking was, so I looked it up, I Googled it, and results from all over the miracle. And I said, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And then my daughter started doing it with her friends, and then, and then I, I said, really? And then, and then I just started seeing it, and then the more I saw it, I actually started to enjoy it. It was kind of funny. I said, this is great, right? And so I picked up Caleb and I put him on my car. I took a picture of Caleb planked on my car. The day he bought it, he planked on my head. You know, and I smiled and took the picture. And, and, and I just started saying, hey, you know, this is kind of, I started enjoying it, right? And then, but after all the silliness was wearing off about, you know, and, and once we get past who was planking, but all the artists made big, big uh, athletes and artists, they're planking in places, they're planking on their Rolls Royces and, and Hummers, and, and it's everywhere. Once, we, once I got past all the silliness, all of a sudden, God started showing me something. <laughs> All of a sudden, there was something that I was 
to this. There's something happening here that's not so silly. And then it was, it was last week during worship, Melissa O'Neill, I thank you, you inspired this message. Urge. She's like, what did I do? <laughs> it, was, it was in the middle of worship last week. I was, I was thinking about a generation willing to go face down. About a generation willing to go prostrate and having people capture it on, on, on in pictures and then, and then bragging about who, who, did, who did it more, who did it, you know, who did the epic prank or who did the, the best prank and, and challenging each other to, to regarding the places where they would fall face down and be known for it. And then I knew there was something more to this. I, I, I still wasn't getting it, but I knew that this Sunday I would have young people planking all over the church. I didn't know why yet or what I was going to say, but I knew I was going to do it, right? And then in the middle of worship last week, it was during a time where you could feel the presence of God. There was one young person up in the front, and, and as the atmosphere thickened, I, I saw her fall to her knees, as pretty much she usually does. And, and the next time I turned around, she wasn't on her knees, she was face down. And, and, and right there, it kind of just, because it, 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 she was face down in worship, she was face down in praise, she was face down in adoration, she was face down and it didn't matter that nobody else was doing it, it didn't matter that nobody was taking pictures, it didn't matter that, that you know, other people might have thought she was crazy, it didn't matter that the floor might have been dirty, it didn't matter that she found everybody's feet at the floor, it didn't matter, she was just face down in worship, and right there I felt it clicked in my spirit, and God was showing me, that prank gets my attention. Come on! I, I just felt, I, I felt like God, there's not people in the face that I just told my picture, and God said, that is an epic prank. That prank gets my, that prank, she wins today. See, there's something inside each and every one of us that's fired to worship. See, you have to get this and understand this, and then this will make sense to you. There's something in each and every one of us that's wired to praise, that's wired to bow down in adoration. You want to know where this started? God says, it started with my people who were called according to my service. They have been called face down before my presence since the beginning of time. See, the pleasure that we're seeing now is just praise minus purpose. It's misdirected worship. But it's worship. But do you see that? See, we were made to worship, and so when we know God or not, we're going to worship. This is what we're seeing evidence of it everywhere. We're, we're made to worship, to bow down, to fall prostrate before a living God, to, to give adoration, to give prayer. We're wired to do this, and that's why it, it's happening everywhere. Now, imagine if there were God's people all around the world who were challenging each other to where they could fall face down and give God praise. Imagine, I already challenged Ray from GratefulApparel.com commercial <laughs> to make t-shirts with writing on the back so that when people pray, they can say, this prank is a praise. <laughs> so, so when they pray and they take pictures, somebody see Jesus on the back of their head. So, so when they write down, you see what I'm just 
man, this place has purpose. I'm still having fun. I'm still, we might still be a game, but this place is connected. Oh, y'all should be a little more excited than that. Thank you guys. You guys should be able to see this. That looks like the mother's going to start with the speech. Oh, wow. Let's get in my hand. Amen. Jesus, instead of ignoring what's going on in the secular culture, and trying to stay wrapped up in our little sacred church life, trying to stay wrapped up in our, in our church bubbles, we need to engage the culture. We need to find out what's going on. And, and listen, understand, it's only in our Western culture that we separate the sacred from the secular. It's only the American church that, that separates the sacred and the secular. If, if you look through the Word, everyone else, our early church fathers, from Jesus to the disciples, there was no separation. Everything was sacred. Because what makes something sacred or secular? The person, right? So, if you're sacred, if you're bought by the blood, if you're saved, if the Spirit of God is in you, everything that you do is sacred. Think about that when you're doing some of the things you shouldn't be doing. Did you know you can't turn that off? It's not a Christian t-shirt that we go on. They, when, when the word says that we believe, we believe in God and we call ourselves Christians, we're born again and the Spirit of God lives in us. Then we can take the Spirit of God into a whorehouse, into a crack bed, into somebody else's husband's wife's bedroom. We can take the, the, the Spirit of God in us into anywhere that we go. And, and that's why we have to be so careful to separate. See, we, we, we say this, the sacred is on Sunday. We do our Christian things, right? And we have our holy moments, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not what we're wired for. The Word says we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. But, but I think we kind of flip that. We say we just got to get out of the world. Everything in the world is bad. And we have to connect that to what Jesus said, that we're the light of the world. So, hold up. I have to be in the world. I just can't be of the world. But I have to be in the world and be the light of the world. That's like a revolution going on right there. You know what I'm saying? See, without the light, people can't see things. This is real basic, right? This is real one stuff. Without the light, people will walk around in darkness, and in the darkness, you almost have to follow the cloud. Because in the darkness, you, you feel around and you see all these people going the same way, you figure, well, somebody's got to know something, somebody's got to know where they're going. So I can't really see things, so I'm going to hold on to this guy and this guy, and we're just going to go and follow, because it's dark, I don't see where I'm going. And so, you know, and, and so they stumble along in the darkness following the noise. But church, when the body of Christ shines, people see. You still with me? See, when, when, when we don't, when we shine, people see. And when we don't, people will fall face down and not see what they're worshiping. Romans 10, 14 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not 
without someone preaching to them. And for and too long, the church puts that on the preacher. It's not. It's us. You and me, every single one of us, ministers. Ministers of righteousness, ministers of reconciliation, ministers of the Spirit of God, ministers of power, ministers of anointing, ministers of the Word, ministers of life, ministers of freedom, ministers that break shackles, ministers yeah. that, that illuminate, yeah. Yeah. ministers that fall face down in total abandonment. Amen? So, we're going to start a new series for the next couple of weeks on the book of Philippians. We just finished finished the book of James. That was fun. We did the book of Genesis for about four years. No, it took a year and a half. But it was awesome, isn't it? If y'all don't know anything about how the world started, then you haven't been here for the last year and a half. So we're going to start the book of Philippians, and I'm going to title this series and this message today, Face Down. And it's not because uh, Philippians is a book about worship, it's not because Philippians is a book about humility or brokenness, but because it's a book that's written to the church and to its leaders. And the goal or the key word in Philippians is simply finding joy. Anybody excited about finding joy? And the book is about finding joy in who we are and then that we would share that joy. So that that, that we would share that joy so much that we would come to the point where we're not ashamed to do the uncomfortable. How many of you understand that laying out face down is uncomfortable? How many of you know that it's, it's awkward, it's not easy? But, but listen, this is symbolic of a total surrender to God. Letting prostrate, letting face down is a total surrender to God. A total submission. And I, I love that when you hear the term face down throughout these next couple of weeks, you're associated with totally surrendering to God's will. Amen? Amen? Amen. Surrendering? Listen, God wants us face down in awe of Him. God wants, I was having a conversation with my wife at, at, at IHOP on our cheap day when we were eating pancakes. <laughs> and it was awesome. And, and we were talking, as we were sitting, we were talking about, I just, I kind of got overwhelmed. We started talking about some of our, our clients, the little kids, and talking about hearing. And we started talking about the nerve endings and the cochlear implants and, and just the way our bodies are wired. And I just had a holy moment in IHOP because I got so overwhelmed by how when when we speak, your ear hears a vibration and it travels through the liquids and it goes through the hair and then that travels through the brain and then the brain tells it what you just heard. Is that crazy? I mean, is that, doesn't that give you a holy moment? Can you really believe that that happened on accident? That we evolved? That, that you know, a baby grows and boomed, and, and all of a sudden, the nerve enemies could, I had hair in my ear that vibrates, that goes through a liquid that sends the nerve enemies that lets me hear the word of God? Isn't that, like, incredible? And I started thinking about all the, the, the signs and the nerves and how I can, I can lift my leg without telling myself to lift my leg. I just, something in me tells something in me to move and something in me just moves and, and I can just tell me to jump and I can jump and then all the muscles that are in this one foot that's allowing me to jump. Isn't that like, it's 
and, and sometimes we never think, oh, is this a holy moment? Why? Because we think we're in the secular, we're not in the sacred anymore. And we're all alone if I was in church, but I'm not in church, I'm in the street. So it can't be sacred, it can't be God. Yes, it is. Because God directs His people. So sometimes instead of fighting, you gotta say, oh, that wasn't going to go down those things. There's got to be a reason why he doesn't want me to go down. It's not a sense. And so, so Paul was being led that way. And, and then Paul had a dream because God leads people, God talks to people, God sends people dreams, and he still does the church. Please accept that, understand that. God gives him a dream, the map, and he was going to go to Macedonia. But God had plans for him along the way. See, sometimes the stuff that happens in the, along the way is even more important than the destination. See, church, man, if you start to see your life like that, you'd be so excited to, to be a Christian. Because the, the, it's not about the destination, but destination is awesome, man. We got, boom, we're going to sit at the banqueting table. We're going to, oh man, hallelujah. We're going to watch the 24 elders bow down, prostrate before the Lord, and we're going to want to do nothing else but to fall face down. We're going to be praying in heaven, isn't it? And I love And And some of you that have passed the praying age, and you can't pray anymore, and you have a man, and you body, you need to be like, you know, going to go right there, like, loving it. You know, I mean, it's going to be a lot of destination, but listen, uh, it's what happens along the way is just as important. Because otherwise, what we would do is we just get a whole call, right? And everybody gets saved, and everybody wants to accept all the events, and then also come and shoot them dead. But that's it, we got what we had to do, kill them, now they go right to heaven. Wouldn't that be, sometimes that would be a lot easier, right? I mean, the church wouldn't be that big, but it would be a lot easier. Because <laughs> then we wouldn't have to live out our purpose. We wouldn't have to live out and do the things God wants us to do along the way. Amen? So, so Paul was along the way, and it, it said along the way they stopped in Philippi. That's home of the Philippians, right? And so they heard of a prayer meeting that was happening there, and they went to it. You've got to catch this. See, God will always lead us to where He's already working. A lot of times in church we get this weird thing that, you know, we're going to do outreach and we're going to bring God to people. No, God's already there. That's a misconception. God, God, we're not bringing God to anybody. God said, shine. I'm already working here. Our goal is to find out where God is working and be a part of it. Amen? Are you getting that? Or am I messing up with theology too much? We don't bring God anywhere. He's already there. We're supposed to find out what He's doing and get involved and then do what He called you to do. And so it says they went to this prayer meeting and they met this lady named Lydia. And she was a, a lady of a lot of influence. She, she was a seller of purple. And purple was royal and that was a big thing then. And so they, they, they ministered to Lydia. Lydia gets radically saved and her and her whole household gets baptized. Right? So this is a family, boom, so awesome purpose. So now, they're traveling to another prayer meeting, and this possessed lady, this lady's possessed by an evil spirit, and she's a psychic and a fortune teller. And, and, and Paul says that, the, the book tells us that she follows Paul and them around, and she keeps lying out to everybody. These men are from, they serve the most high God, and they're here to give you the plan of salvation. Now that's not a bad thing, right? She's speaking truth. An evil spirit, through a fortune teller, speaking truth. Yeah. You see why sometimes we can't just let anybody come into the church and start talking truth? Right. Because even the devil will say some things that are true. Right. 
So we got a test, amen? So, so anyway, she, she goes around and she's telling, and so, you know, I wouldn't think that's not a bad thing, but it says, after a couple of days, they're not going. Because I guess she keeps interrupting and saying, the obvious, yes, you better fuck down, right? Shut up. Yeah. Right? I have a And so, Paul got annoyed, and it says, Paul then, after a couple of days, he got annoyed, and he says, he cast his ball. Paul said, God, let me die, in Jesus' name, come out. And the spirit came out of her, and that's it. She wasn't a fortune teller or a psychic anymore. She didn't have it anymore. What does that tell us about fortune tellers and psychics? All right, that's a whole other message. So what happened? She couldn't make any more money. So the people that owned her and were making a lot of money off of her, they got mad. They started this huge riot, and they turned on Paul and Silas, and they got them locked up. They got them sent into prison, and they ordered they had such a big rocket that they ordered a public beating. And so after they insisted that, that they be kept under heavy guard so that they can't escape. So so check this out. They're ministering. They're preaching, and then they, they cast an evil spirit out of someone. Someone is totally delivered in one of their prayer meetings, and they get beat up in prison, and they they put um they lock them so bad. Let, let me give you a picture. Um, uh, Eve and Jason, come on, come right down right here. And so they, they locked them up, they beat them up, right? They, they, they beat them up, they kill them, pan, pan, and they throw them in, and, uh, <laughs> so they, they beat them up, they locked them up, and they, 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 they put leg irons on them, and arm irons, and so we are bound, right? They're tied up, bound, chained, and now you can imagine, I'm sure they're not on ceiling, prostituted mattresses either, right? <laughs> They're beat up, bruised, bleeding, bad, and, and they're forced to lie down with shackles. And, and the word tells us, this is awesome, the word tells us, alone about midnight, Paul and Silas were at prayer and singing a robust hymn to God. So these guys were beaten, bruised, shackled, and locked up in prison, and they started worshiping. Give myself away. Give myself away. So you can imagine this. No reason. Everybody in the, in, the, in the jail was listening and, and, and like uh, amazed. Like, why are these two worshiping? Why are these two praying? And, and then the word said, "This is awesome." The word said, "Then." Without warning, a huge earthquake, and the jailhouse tired, and every door flew open, and all the prisoners were loose. <laughs> Listen, some of you tried everything else to get free. But it was the prayer and the worship in the midnight hour that unlocked the shackles that set them free. So listen, when you've been beaten up all day, this is for somebody today, listen up. When you've been beaten all day, when you've had your freedom taken away, when, when things haven't gone the way you planned them to go, and you find yourself in the midnight hour, can I encourage you to go face down? Can I encourage you to forget the pressure, to forget the circumstances, to forget the feeling like we were singing about today? To forget what you see, to forget what you feel, and just to worship and pray. The word says the, the, the jailhouse rocked. You guys can stand and bring your worship team up. It says the jailhouse rocked 
The doors were open and everybody was free. And, and, and Clancy was with the Lord and he woke up and he saw all the doors open and, and everybody free. And so he got so scared and so he, he grabbed his sword. It wasn't killing anybody. He was going to fall on his sword and kill himself. Because he figured, I'm done. All my prisoners are done. I'm gonna, somebody's going to kill me. Either I'm going to be punished or, or the prisoners themselves are going to kill me. And so he was about to fall on his sword and die. And Paul stopped and Paul said, no, 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 no. It's okay. We're all still here. We're free, we're standing, we're walking around, but we're all still here. And the word said that they ministered to him that night, and that jailer and his entire family got saved and baptized. That day, they ministered all night. And so see, two whole families were ministered to one on one and led to the Lord, and they became the church at Philippi. Isn't that awesome story? And so Paul starts his letter, Philippians 1. Paul and Timothy, both of us committed servants of Christ Jesus, we write this letter to all of the Christians in Philippi, and pastors and ministers included. We greet you with the grace and peace that comes from God our Father. Every time you cross my mind, I break out in exclamations of thanks to God. Each exclamation is a trigger to prayer. I find myself praying for you with a glad heart. I am so pleased that you have continued on with this, believing and proclaiming God's message from the day you heard it right up to today. It has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish. Another verse says it this way, He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And we're going to stop right there today. The next thing Paul does in this letter is he prays for the church. And he prays for the leaders of the church. And so I'm just going to pray that prayer over you if you guys can just stand.